everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Did you know that there is a sin that is unforgivable? Uh, we are going to get to that in just a second. A lot of times people have conversation around that topic, curious as to what it is. And I think we have the answer, maybe, probably. Yes, I think we have the answer. Uh, Today, we are looking at Matthew chapter 12, just Matthew chapter 12. And like always, it seems like as we've been reading through Matthew, there is a lot here to unpack. Yeah, there really is. So I noticed right away that the conversations between Jesus and the Pharisees or the teachers of the law are becoming more frequent. And they are not only just Jesus calling them out at this point, it's more... Uh, it's more of a dialogue. It's more of a conversation now because the the Pharisees are interacting much more with him. And so we're seeing a lot more pointed conversations about things that they're accusing him of now. Um, and Jesus kind of turning turning it around and saying, well, you've pretty much got it all wrong. Um, so it's this interesting conversation that's starting to be more vocal. It's definitely more <laughs> direct. It's definitely more heated. Um, where it started out, they were kind of like scheming in the background. Now they're like okay, we're going to get you. Mm-hmm. And they're having open confrontations. The confrontation here uh, is essentially that this man has a hand that, that it's either smaller or missing parts, or it says it's withered. Well, before we even get into that, I think that's like, it's really important to notice at the beginning of chapter 12, like both of these two instances, the one you just talked about, as well as what we're opening with, are all about the Sabbath. Like they're really coming after him about recognizing and observing, observing, excuse me, the Sabbath. And in both situations, whether his disciples were um, taking the grain or if Jesus was healing someone, they both occurred on the Sabbath. And they're probably thinking to themselves, like, we got him. Like, this is really bad, super bad. No, no, you don't do this. I remember, too, he is preaching and teaching specifically first and foremost to the Jews so this would, I think this would probably have caught many people's attention, uh, but both of those instances were Sabbath specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's the Sabbath is obviously very important. I think it remains fairly important. Right. It's not something that's thrown out. Um, but you have this guy that shows up whose hand is visibly affected. It would have affected his ability to make money, to support mm-hmm. himself, all these things. So basically Jesus says like, hey, am I allowed to heal this man on the Sabbath? And the Pharisees answer is no, you you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And Jesus just goes ahead and does it anyway. Uh, and I think makes a, a really compelling example of like, hey, if your sheep fell into a pit, like would you, on the Sabbath, would you just leave it down there? Like, would you just let it rot in the pit or would you haul it out? Well, everybody knows that, of course, you would haul it out. And one of the things we know about the Pharisees is that money was very important to them. So they're not going to let their income just lie at the bottom of a pit. So Jesus is saying like, hey, people are far more important than sheep, than financial tools, than income. Mm -hmm. And God wants to heal and care for his people. Jesus is the good shepherd that will care for his flock. I don't think it's by mistake uh, that he's comparing this man to sheep. So he just heals the man. Now, I think it is worth pointing out, Jesus does not say, and that's why the Sabbath doesn't matter. (laughs) That's not what he says. Uh, He just says, basically, he, he loves... In Matthew, anyway, he loves to quote Hosea 6, 6, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's saying, like, we need to honor God with our lives. We still need to be obedient to him. We still need to follow his commandments. Um, 
but more than like lawfulness, he wants mercy. We mm-hmm. honor God by the mercy that we show to people. And if someone is like hurt, <laughs> it's okay to heal them. And it doesn't really matter what day it is. Well, it's interesting too, because you were talking about how this man, like he probably wasn't really contributing much to yeah. societal norms because he was, he was unable to use both of his hands correctly so in the pharisees eyes i can imagine they were probably like well this guy's just like a nuisance anyway like he's Mm -hmm. he's getting in the way of the norm anyway so who cares so this idea of life being invaluable when jesus can see so much more than that i think that shows a picture too of the mercy that jesus shows versus the pharisees and how everything is about order and following to the T and although important if you lose sight of the mercy piece as well what are you like what's the point of what you're doing Mm -hmm. Uh, because God's character is far more than just following everything to the T he also extends mercy so much so that he sent Jesus Mm -hmm. so after this part of the story of this part of the chapter uh, Jesus heals another demon oppressed man he just he's just casting out demons left and right (laughs) And I think this part is kind of comical. Uh, the Pharisees are like, this man casts out demons by the devil. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you sense. even saying? <laughs> and Jesus responds is basically the same thing. Like, what? Like, the devil casts out devils? Like, that doesn't even make sense. So the Pharisees are starting to sound more and more stupid. But isn't that interesting, though? When things get heated, I'm sure it's very easy to hear something like what the Pharisees are saying and be like, oh, yeah, that guy is. He must be doing something really, really evil. When Jesus just like calmly turns it around and says, hey, like if I was from Satan, I wouldn't be going around casting out people or things from Satan. That doesn't make any sense. He also says in verse 27, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, that means the devil, uh, by whom do your sons cast them out? Yikes. So, so he's like, hey, uh, just so you know, like if you're casting out demons, it's probably by the devil too, if I'm using the mm-hmm, devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he gets into this, uh, what can be a contentious passage. Um, therefore, I tell you, this is verse 31. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of people, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. So this oftentimes gets people's attention is like, Ooh, there's an unforgivable sin. I thought all mm-hmm. sin was forgivable. Like I thought Jesus came and gave his life to cover our sins. There is no sin too bad to be forgiven. How is it that Jesus is teaching right here that there is a sin that is unforgivable? And you'll have um, any number of people that are willing to tell you what this <laughs> means. Uh, some people, I think, are not trustworthy when they try to tell you what this say, means. Don't listen to me. Um, I have I have seen people live in fear their entire lives. I can think of a story that I have of this older lady who was very near death, and she was afraid that she had committed the unforgivable sin that Jesus' death um, and resurrection could not cover her sin, and she was bound for hell. And it was crazy because she was like a saint, mm-hmm. and it was like, how could you possibly believe that? It was because she misunderstood. A, a, a few things, but this was one of the things she misunderstood. Mm-hmm. If you think about the context of this story, these people are saying that Jesus is from Satan. 
They're saying like, you are from the (laughs) devil, you are the devil. And then Jesus says, well, if you commit this sin, you will be unforgiven. Like you're, you're sinning against the Holy Spirit. This is an unforgivable sin. Basically the unforgivable sin is denying that Jesus is who he says he is denying Mm. that Jesus is the son of God, denying that Jesus can forgive your sin will be unforgivable, which is like in line with all the other things that we teach and believe. It sounds so heady, but then when you break it down, it's like that's basic, basic theology. Like if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord, if you reject him as God, then you will not be forgiven. Correct. So there's not this like top secret other sin that you can commit that will never be forgiven. The Mm -hmm. sin that Jesus is talking about is rejecting him, which is what the Pharisees are doing when he teaches this passage. So then we kind of, we go into like a couple more little subcategories here of Jesus just speaking to the people around him. Uh, He talks about the tree being known by its fruit, which I feel like is probably like a, uh, like a piggyback conversation off of what he's talking about right beforehand when he's calling out the Pharisees. Um, And I think that also applies to our own lives as well. Like if you're going to be filled with evil things, evil things will come out of the flow, like that will overflow from your heart. Um, same thing if you have good stored up in your heart, it will overflow into, um, the lives of others around you. Like it will be evident. Then we get to the sign of Jonah, which is something that I was, I was interested in simply because we had talked about something very similar yesterday in chapter 11, where we were talking about the children out on the streets calling out and saying like, Hey, we did this for you. You didn't do this. Uh, basically showing this like very, not content idea of who Jesus was or even who John was. Um, Both of these men came, they're literally standing right in front of these people and they still are not satisfied with who they are. And there's someone who approaches, describes the Pharisees, asking Jesus, I'm sure in a very trying way, (laughs) this is not like an innocent question, but they say, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. And Jesus, again, is just like, listen, you guys are horrible people. Think about the context here. He he just healed a man whose hand, like, I guess was like gone and then just like mm-hmm. poofed and was there. He just like cleansed somebody of demons, like literally cast demons out. Uh-huh. And now these people are like, hey, show us a sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess the same idea then holds true. Like Jesus, like, if I, I've already given you sign. I'm already here. And they still reject and will not accept who he is. Um, and so he makes this this comparison to Jonah with the idea of Jonah being um, in the, the belly of the fish for three days. So the son of man will also be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he's he's giving this like this foreshadowing of what is to come. But also like, hey, you keep asking for these signs. I'm already here. You're never going to understand. And when the actual thing does happen, you're still not going to get it. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, he says like the, the just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, the son of man will be in the earth for three days, which people probably didn't understand. Maybe they were confused, but he's going to show us exactly what that means. He's going to rise from the dead after three days and confirm he is who he says he is. And what's even crazier, too, so these are all people that would have been very, very aware of who Solomon was. Yeah. And at the end of this little this little um, piece of the story, Jesus says something greater than Solomon is here. So, like, 
that would mean a lot. Like Solomon was known to be this super, super wise person. He was very gifted by God with all the things that he was able to do for the people of God, creating the temple, all the things. And Jesus is like, well, someone even greater than Solomon is here. So if you can't see it, shame on you. And pay attention. He says, is here, not is coming, right? not will be here is here. And I think the Pharisees are probably starting to catch on. They're like, oh, I really don't like this guy. Uh-huh. Uh, so just to round out this chapter, um, I guess we'll let the the odd part of him kind of rejecting his parents and siblings. We'll, we'll let that one linger. You can look into that for yourself. Um, but there is this weird story of somebody who is cleansed of a demon. The demon leaves, goes and finds some demon friends, and comes back finding the house swept and cleaned and all him and his demon friends move in. And the person is even more wicked than when they started. It can be kind of another confusing passage. I guess we could call Matthew 12 like a chapter that could be pretty easily misunderstood or confusing. Uh, But I think the point here is that if you are freed from a demon, and I think we could say like you could really put anything in that place. I don't know if that's like totally fair um, because Jesus is speaking of demons. But if you are freed of something particularly sinful, and all you do is clean house. You just move things, you rearrange things, you make your heart, you make yourself uh, look better, look more pretty, um, look more clean, but you do nothing to fill that empty space. That empty space is easily filled up with more and more wickedness Mm -hmm. and evil. I think the point here is that if you do not come to, if you experience freedom, Say you're freed from pornography, from drugs, from alcohol, from lust, from pride, and you do nothing to make sure that you are allegiant to Jesus Christ. Like you do nothing um, to seek obedience to Christ, to make Christ Lord of your life. Really, you're just freed waiting on the next thing to overtake you. You've really just cleaned up the house uh, to make it even more hospitable to something even more wicked. What you need living in you is the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will fill that space, will recreate you into a new man, and you will be freed uh, eternally from all of those struggles. doesn't mean you're not going to struggle again with different things, but... Uh, Jesus will fight for you. The Holy Spirit will fight for you because you have changed ownership of the house. That's the problem here. The house is just empty. It's clean, but the ownership hasn't changed. So my encouragement to you is be very careful of any of this kind of self-help, clean up your life, live your best life now kind of language, kind of teachers, kind of readings. Um, because really all they're doing is helping you tidy up the house for more evil and more wicked. What you really need is the Holy Spirit living in yourself. You need Jesus uh, interceding on your behalf so that you are a new man, a new creation, and you are no longer owned by evil and wickedness. You are owned by Christ. Being owned by Christ is like the most amazing thing that you could experience, and then you continue to persist to endure, to honor Christ with every breath that you take and every day that you live. So that is actually the your part for today, that you would continue to honor Christ. Don't clean up your life just to be more clean. Uh, don't clean up your life just to look better. Clean up your life in obedience to Jesus and allow Jesus mm-hmm. to fill you and lead you so that you're honoring him with your life. That's all we have for Matthew chapter 12. We'll be back again tomorrow with Matthew 13. We'll see you then. 
Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him. And he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory." And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by who do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. 
You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they find and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first, so also will it be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards the disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.